Hey, what's up? It's Avery here. Well, I guess who else would it be? It is my own show. <laughs> you see, my show is on platforms like iTunes and Spotify, and you may wonder, how do I get my show on these platforms? Well, I do it through an app called Anchor. It's free to download, and you can use it on your phone or on your laptop. And it also comes with creation tools that let you edit your show. You can also make that sweet moolah with your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, want to get started? Download the Anchor app on the Google Play Store or Apple's App Store. Or go to anchor.fm. It's that easy. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome back to Avery Sports Show, and for the first time ever on my podcast history, I'm going to welcome a owner of a pro sports team, and one whose pro soccer team on Vegas has been doing things a little bit differently. Their jerseys are a little bit zanier, their mascots are actual animals, and of Elvis, and also, they have a U.S. soccer prodigy of the 2000s on the squad, and my, well, my guest today is Brett Lashbrook the owner of the Las Vegas Flights in the United Soccer League. Brett, thank you for coming on to Avery Sports Show. I appreciate this so much, Mr. Lashbrook. Thanks so much. I appreciate the, the interest. <laughs> of course, of course. I do want to ask you now, for how does a lawyer from Missouri get involved in owning a pro soccer team? Like, What's your background going from being a lawyer to a pro soccer in Nevada? <laughs> That's going to take more than a podcast. Uh, long story short, from, from Kansas City, my, my family kind of migrated out to Las Vegas over the last 20 years. I've been fortunate to uh, work on the business side of soccer for those uh, 15, 20 years from uh, working at the Major League Soccer League office and the Commissioner's office as legal counsel uh, and then Chief Operating Officer at Orlando City when it was a USL team on its way to MLS um, and, and finally worked my way back to, to Las Vegas and quickly realized uh, that the growth of the sport of soccer um, in North America has been second to none. And there are so many communities across the U.S. and Canada uh, that are soccer cities. And the sport has grown so much um, from the, the internationalism and the, the, the grassroots and the youth soccer side that there is this vacuum of lack of high-level professional soccer in so many markets. I realize it was Las Vegas now home, but Las Vegas was the second largest city in the world without a team. It was incredibly diverse. And it had a, you know, almost most importantly, it had a beautiful 10,000-seat stadium in downtown Las Vegas um, that was perfect for soccer. And you put that all together, and you've got the zaniness of Las Vegas life. You mentioned being someone who worked in MLS, and you go from MLS, which is the biggest soccer league in the continent, to USL. What were any real challenges getting pro soccer back in in, uh, Vegas? Because there hasn't been a pro soccer team before you since the 1970s. And Vegas has really been a city where... Before hockey came back, it was known for more mixed martial arts and boxing and, and UNLV. What was the biggest challenge in terms of getting soccer back into the city here, from your standpoint? You know, it goes back to what I was I was just saying. Across the U.S. and Canada, there are so many markets that don't have high-level professional soccer, but mm. absolutely would support it. There's not a doubt in my mind. And, and the thing that, at, at this day and age, in 2018, with the growth of MLS and the growth of USL, the, the, the issue isn't finding markets that will support soccer. The mm. issue is, is finding venues. Yes. Um, and building and identifying and creating venues are very difficult. And oftentimes they uh, involve public-private partnerships. Uh, and I, I can talk about all the benefits that things bring, but it's real money, and, and each community has to make that decision for themselves. 
Um, and so that becomes very hard, right? And the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and Major Baseball have had, you know, hundreds of years to, to get that tradition and understanding and, 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 that, and, that, and, and really create those relationships in the communities to be able to build those venues. Um, and so with soccer, the most difficult thing is venues. At, at the end of the day, and soccer is that there is a, it is a, a uh, life of internationalism, right? It just works so much better in the urban core. And when you go in the urban core, it, it's harder to build stadiums. And that's what makes this Las Vegas project just so wonderful is that we didn't take a penny of public dollars and we created a 10,000-seat stadium that was in front of everyone's eyes that is a baseball stadium. We converted it into a soccer stadium. And, and Cashman Field in downtown Las Vegas, as, as our mayor, Carolyn Goodman, likes to say, is the center of the universe. Um, it's the only baseball stadium in the world that was a square. The center field was a right angle. The foul territory behind home plate was, was perfectly symmetrical. And so you could plop a fully full regulation-sized FIFA soccer field um, down the first and third base lines, great sight lines. And here we are. We've got 10,000 people singing and dancing and cheering. And we're a quarter mile from restaurants and gaming and music and nightlife and everything you could think of, right? I mean, it's, we, 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 from day, day one, were able to have all so many of those kind of secret sauces. And then, let's be honest, we're in Las Vegas, right? It just gives us a wonderful, wonderful platform to do, uh, to do new things and to push the envelope uh, and grow the sport further. No, of course, I couldn't agree more than that. You mentioned Cashman Field, how it is a 10,000-seat stadium. I was watching Game Hunts and watching you guys play in the season, and it looks intimidating. 10,000 fans going wild, and before the game, you have tailgate parties at the stadium, but it feels like it's a 40,000-seat stadium with the way the fans and catch are loud and rowdy every single game, Brett. Yeah, I, uh, we like to say it's a little slice of Mexico City, Buenos Aires, London, Barcelona, Madrid, right? It's... Um... <laughs> We, we are in the entertainment capital of the world. Hands down, the entertainment capital of the world, we're bringing a unique niche form of entertainment that this town has never seen before. And we're taking the uh, blueprint and the, the, the playbook from all these other communities outside the United States and Canada. And so it's something unique and new for, for our market, just as it is for so many other American and Canadian markets. Uh, but the reality is it's what the rest of the world has been doing for the last 100 plus years. That is true. It's very true, of course. What the, if, you haven't, if you haven't seen Las Vegas Lights jerseys, your jerseys are some of the more unique ones, not just in soccer, but all the sports, with the fact that you have black, yellow, and neon colors. Like, how did that come up, the fact that you guys are going to, how did that even start, the idea of having your jerseys being as loud and as flashy as possible for home matches? So, well, first of all, tacky is a subjective term. I'll just say <laughs> that, right? But, uh, uh, you know, we, you know, start a professional sports team, you're very fortunate to have a blank sheet of paper and you can you can do many different things. And so we have soccer fans will know in international soccer, you're presenting sponsors, the biggest logo on your shirt. And so ours is uh, a great company called Zappos.com, owned by Amazon, and they are based mm-hmm. here in downtown Las Vegas and, and they are known for, you know, have fun and create weirdness, right? And kind of uh, draw outside the line if that, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so they perfectly, perfectly represent downtown Las Vegas and who would want to be at the club. I'm actually speaking to you from their world headquarters in downtown Las Vegas where we've moved our offices. That's how close the relationship it is. So again, you have this plain sheet of paper, you're shoulder to shoulder with Zappos, and we go to them and say, let's, you guys sell apparel all the time. Let's go create, you know, we call it the most fashion forward, uh, not tacky, the most fashion forward design in international soccer. And they went to work and they came up with a design. I say you're missing the best part of the jersey is the uh, 
uh, you know, in, in soccer, when fans, when fans, when, when players score a goal, they, they put their jersey, you know, up over their head and they run around like a crazy man. Uh, That's so right. We, we put a big smiley emoji inside the jersey. So when our players score a goal, they flip the, the, the jersey up over their head and they run around and they got a big smiley emoji. Meanwhile, our fans are doing the same thing. So everyone's, you know, smiling uh, literally and figuratively after every goal. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> that is true. And for, and for the record, Bryce, I, I said flashy, not tacky. You know, I love them. I want one myself. Yeah, you know, I, uh, oh. <laughs> no, I love it. No, I, I think it's great. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought it was great. But yeah, and of course, and for, with your team, you guys made international news because your mascots, I mentioned in your intro, you have an Elvis as one of your mascots, and the two others are actual live llamas. One of which, well... Dottie and Dolly. Which one was it that, you know, had to take a bathroom break on midfield? Which one did that? <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're very close. So, they, you know, uh, you know uh, a crime against one is a crime against both, right? So they, they, they both, uh, they, they, we, don't, we don't name them. Uh, but, yes, there was a... Uh, it was an unfortunate on-field fecal incident, but you know we roll with the punches. We're a new team. We're we're, we're learning it. Uh, we we love Dottie and Dolly. They have uh, quickly become part of our culture and our team and uh, who we are. The fans love them, um, and so you know everyone has to go sometimes. And, and we'll, we'll we'll look past it, right? She served her one game. She served her one game suspension. She's back on the field next week. <laughs> That's incredible. That's awesome. And of course, right now, in terms of USL, for one thing, in any pro sport in the world, expansion teams, people say, oh, they're going to struggle. They won't be very good. And of course, I know USL is more of a developmental league. Wins and losses are not the biggest thing because it's about pushing players to the next level in soccer. But to see the fact that you guys have been in games, yes, you've only scored nine goals, we've only allowed 12, and your record right now is 2 4 and 3. It has to be nice to see this team, you know, being competitive with the bigger teams in, in USL right now, Brett. Yeah, so I, I would say say two things to that, right? You always, you know, just, just like the just like the fans, the players, and the coaches, right? You always want more, 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 and mm-hmm. you know, USL is a very unique league, right? So um, there, there there are certainly teams, major league soccer teams, that have teams in the league that they own and operate, or 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 certainly have more of a developmental bent to it. But you know, teams like ours in Sacramento and San Antonio and Louisville and Cincinnati, which is getting twenty thousand fans a game, we we don't view it as developmental, right? We view it as we're here to win a championship. And so if you look at our, our roster, we have players that have played for the U.S. Men's National Team, the Japanese National Team, the Mexican National Team, players that were playing in MLS and Liga Mex uh, last year. So USL really provides a really unique uh, diversity of, of players, right? Where you have some of those teams that are focused more on younger players. You have other teams that are focused on players that are, you know, in the middle of their career or, if they, or just past the peak of their career. Um, and so it provides a really neat um, – experience and petri dish for lack of better terms uh for everyone to get better no of course truly does and you mentioned players from the american national team mexican national teams of course is one player who growing up he's a guy who i watched who's somebody i want to be like even though i'm a very 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 poor soccer player in the form <laughs> in the form of one freddie adu because when i was a kid freddie adu was the biggest name in soccer played in mls at 14 years old and Things didn't really go as planned. He's kind of bounced around the world. He's played everywhere from D.C., Monaco. Now he's here in the USL. It was like having that kind of name of Freddie Adu, who's only 29 years old. And when people look at soccer and hear the name Freddie Adu, they're still going to say, oh, what's he up to? What does it mean to have him now playing in Vegas? Yeah, so it, it, you know, it goes back to the team's vision of we want to put together the best USL team that we can, right? And, and we want to compete for USL titles and, and continue to grow as, as a club. And so... Um, when Freddie came on our radar, right, he was, he was very interesting, right, because of his pedigree and his history, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I, 
I, I, and I understand the question 100%, right? And I understand the, the theory of, oh, you know, because of his name uh, is why he made the team. But Freddie came on trial, right? So there, were, there, was, there was no guarantees. Freddie had to earn it. Um, and, I, and I'm really proud of that as a club, despite all the things that we have done off the field to, to I'll call it, have, grab attention. We didn't do that with, with Freddie, right? This right. was a uh, never-made announcement, had to come in and earn, earn his spot. Um, and Chalice, our, our, our lovable coach from Mexico, um, you know, was very, very clear with with him and everyone else in the locker room of, of what this is, as were, as with everyone else. Very true. And you mentioned Chalice. He's a name where, in the soccer world, I know he managed to achieve us in MLS. Like, how important was it to you to bring in a coach who maybe was a bit more, a bit more boisterous, a bit more outgoing, not just for the locker room, but for someone that fans could really get behind and see his team succeed? Because he's a personality. He really is one personality in the soccer world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it was it was incredibly important. So we have an incredibly diverse uh, market here in Las Vegas, and uh, a very large portion of the population Spanish is their first language. So it was important to me to find a, a coach that uh, was bilingual um, and could could speak to the entire market. Uh, the second thing is have someone who has a pedigree of winning. Um, and Chalice, when he took our job, became the first uh, person ever to coach in first and second division in both the United States and Mexico. Um, so he's a long, uh, uh, successful career. And then the third thing is exactly what you just talked about, right? I, I wanted this club to be led by someone who was proud to embrace Las Vegas. And, and I say this, and I use this analogy a lot. You know, when you think of the old Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, Pittsburgh Steelers, they represent that blue-collar, upper Midwest, uh, what, what you think of those teams, right? The Pittsburgh right. Steelers represent that field still city. You know, the L.A. Lakers uh, back in the day with, with Kareem and Magic and, and Showtime, they mm-hmm. represented, you know, the, 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 the la-la Los Angeles lifestyle, right? And yeah. so I believe, you know, being in downtown Las Vegas, it carries not only wonderful opportunities, but it carries a responsibility. And we have to embrace being in Las Vegas in downtown, and we are in all sense. But we needed a coach and a leader that would wear that on his sleeve. Um, and Chalice, uh, anyone who knows anything about him knows that, and I say this with all the love of my heart, he is a, he is a character who takes his soccer incredibly serious, uh, but he also understands that soccer is a form of entertainment. And he has said this so many times, and every time he says it, I enjoy it, that you know the fans in the stands have problems in their lives, right? No one's life is perfect. When they come to that game on Saturday night, we want to make them forget about their problems, right? We do that through scoring goals. We do that through a style of play. We do that by winning games. But we do that by entertaining fans, right? Fans are paying us money. They want to be entertained. And, and having a coach that embraces that and makes sure that filters down to the entire lineup and also then takes on the identity of Las Vegas as well uh, was incredibly, incredibly important. And I think we've done a good job at that. No, you guys really have. And, of course, you mentioned, you know, being Vegas, wanting a coach to be a part of Vegas. And now I'm seeing now that Vegas now has, in a span of a few short years, multiple pro sports teams. What is it like seeing the Golden Knights supporting you and seeing the Vegas Aces supporting you and seeing the 51 supporting you? I'm sure it's great to see all the pro teams in Vegas coming together and having each other's backs, no matter what sport, no matter where they play, no matter what time in the city, Rhett. Yeah, so my, my short answer is raising tides, raise all ships, right? The, the, the Raiders, the Golden Knights, UNLV, 51, Aces, all that is great. Right, we we are a we are a major city. We are a big league city. We always have been for for whatever reason. And it's a whole other podcast as well on, <laughs> on the why it's taken so long for sports to come to Las Vegas and the in my mind incredibly unfair and silly stigmas uh, attached mm. with legalized gambling. Uh, but 
you know, as someone said, you know, it's not fair that the Golden Knights are having so much success, right? You know, our, our city, you know, suffered for 50 years. And someone on, on Twitter said, you think we weren't suffering? We didn't even have a team. We you had a team to go, right? And Toronto's complaining. That's but true. At least you had a team to go to, right? For 100 years, we didn't even have a team to go to, right? So it's funny how everyone has different perspectives of, of where they are. But as Las Vegas continues to quickly grow up in front of, I'll call it the rest of the, the, the continent's eyes, sporting eyes, uh, the 2.2 million of us that live here realize we've always had this, right? We, we deserve this. We, this. This is ours. It, the last thing that I'll say is this is the entertainment capital of the world, right? This is, we are all just uh, little waves in the ocean, if that makes sense. Even even the NFL and the Raiders, right? I mean, they still got to compete with Celine and, and, and Elton and J-Lo yeah. and Stefani. And all, right? I mean, there's so much going on in Las Vegas that, you know, it's not like, oh, my gosh, there's a, there's a hockey team here, right? Like, yeah. hey, we're all, this is the entertainment capital of the world, right? Like, welcome to the circus. Hop on. Hold on. Uh, I think it's really what everyone's philosophy is, but we love each other. No, exactly. I know being a Canadian, being from Edmonton, Alberta, I love it 110%. I love the fact you guys don't care. You guys are different. And of course, my listeners will roast me. They don't ask you about this. You also became the very first U.S.-based sports team to be sponsored by a marijuana dispensary. And if anybody's going to do it, yeah. may as well be a team in Las Vegas, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, I get the shock value, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand fully, so I'm not going to sit here and, and, and feign, like, why are you asking me this? But mm. I, I would just, I would just say... It's 100% legal. Mm-hmm. It's 100% legal in the state of Nevada. The state of Nevada, the good people of the state of Nevada voted overwhelmingly last year uh, to legalize it. There are 72 dispensaries here in town um, that are advertising left and right. So to the local fan, I, uh, the, the shock value was a fraction of what it would be in, in Edmonton, if, if that makes sense, yeah. right? And I'm not here to, to, to get on a, my, my high horse and talk about the, the medical benefits and how there's, 80% of the store is, you know, uh, approved by what we, the World Anti-Doping Association, right? I mean, there's all kinds of medical and, and other benefits to the, 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 the stuff. But I, I am proud that we're taking a leadership position of destigmatizing it, right? If, if this is going to be legal, if this is 100% regulated, this is 100% controlled by the state, this is generating hundreds of millions of dollars for the Department of Education. Hey, I'm not here to say whether or not it should or should not be legal. It is legal. And it is based here in Las Vegas, in downtown Las Vegas. It's, you know, the new marketplace is uh, walking distance from our stadium. They've invested millions and millions of dollars in downtown Las Vegas. We love downtown Las Vegas, and we support everything about downtown Las Vegas. So it, it's not as much a political statement as me of saying, hey, guys, rest of the world. It's 100% legal, right? Get mad that it's not legal if you're upset. It's legal. It's supporting downtown. It's helping to grow Las Vegas. We're helping to be, grow Las Vegas. It's a perfect partnership for us. Oh, and hey, it makes sense. And like you mentioned, it is totally legal. And Brett, I want to thank you for doing the podcast so much. And, I, you know, I travel a lot during summertime. So I want to come down this summer. I want to come down to a game and experience Las Vegas Lights game. I love to love that. You, you, you want to meet Dolly and Dottie. Just be honest. <laughs> you got me. You got me on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Viva Lights. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brett.